When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Reckless speculation from the TCL Broadcast Studios. You're listening to Mackie and Judd, TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Come on! Football! Football! I want to open up with Matthew Collar here. Thank you for reminding me to turn your mic on. Yes. It's a long reach across. Told you I wasn't going to do it. Courtney Cronin's going to be here soon. Um, it's like I'm like 0 for 100 every time someone asks me to do that in the nine years I've been here. I dive across when Royce's here to turn say, it off so he doesn't done swear it on the I've air. I've seen you do it before. Yeah. It is funny that Judd was saying he's not going to do it. And he was and 100% I was like, right. oh, yeah, good ribbing here among friends. <laughs> right. And then, he did, then you didn't do it. Just didn't do it. Careful uh, who you call a friend. Quick roundtable wow. discussion here, okay? Yes. The, last night, we had a fumble through the back of the oh, end zone. I talked about this already. I, I want to open up yes. for solutions. What should the NFL do? Or maybe, I don't know, maybe Collar's answer is, I love fumbles through the back of the end zone that turn into touchdowns. <laughs> Can I give What's the solution for this? Danny Cunningham said it, and he's exactly right. You should get the ball back at the point where it was fumbled. So if you fumble at the 20, and I saw this, there was a Packer-Viking game where I think there was a pass picked off by the Packers or something happened. And the Packer player, or, or I'm sorry, the Viking player was like to the 18 and it got punched out. And the damn thing went all the way through <laughs> yes. the end zone. Touchback ball, ball went to Packers, in fact. It should have been Vikings ball at the 18. But it's amazing that it, right? Like if it goes out of the back of the end zone, you could argue, well, I mean, like pick, you got 10 yards to pick up the damn ball. But if it goes through where, where players, fumble it over the pylon and it goes out over a slice of the corner that's what's ridiculous to me it's like it could be a foot difference and you either get the ball at the step of the goal line or they get the ball at the 20 yard line so i'm having trouble trying to decide whether i like it because it's so weird and happens at such random and almost always has a big effect on the game and it's like remember the rule is that if it bounces out then it's a touchback and every fan is like what in the hell is going on how does the other team have the ball at the 25? Like, and the team that gets the ball feels pretty dirty about it. Oh, but yeah, yeah, whatever, yeah. Okay. There's so much shame in taking that type of turnover. Uh, I also enjoyed uh, my childhood of watching Don Beebe run down Leon Lett and smack the ball out of the back of the end zone. And that happens every so often. So in a way, it's a little bit of a, a hack or a cheat code that is mixed into a game with 
the most bizarre rules of any sport in America, right? So I guess I, because of that, sort of have this appreciation for how stupid it is. But if you were doing it logically, yeah, that, I mean, it doesn't make a whole heck of a lot of sense. Isn't it the same thing with if you fumble, let's say at like midfield and it rolls and rolls and rolls and rolls and someone picks it up, like you don't get the yards or do you? No, you get you, the yards, or you can't pick it up and run with it, or what is it? it? So, so you can't do the holy roller thing. If it, you, yeah, and there's that's it's like under, though, right? under the four minute mark yeah. or something. The ringer came up, so the the ringer had this is an article from a year and a half ago, and they have four solutions. Solution number one is keep it the same way because it's kind of weird and it's fun. Solution two would be the uh, the team that fumbled it gets the ball at the point of the fumble as opposed to the other team getting it at the twenty. Mm-hmm. The other two solutions are. The opposing team gets the ball at the point of the fumble. So let's say you so fumble like at the, the one yard line. line or the three, then they would get yeah. the ball, but it would be at, they would be up against you know the back of their own end zone. Uh, and then the fourth solution that they propose here is after a player fumbles out of the end zone, the ball it would be a reverse touchback. So the offense would maintain possession, but they'd have to go back to the okay. twenty yard line, not their own twenty yard line, but the, the opposing, opposing twenty yard line. line. Because you, ha- I mean, I guess you have to have something. <laughs> That would make players not want to just like throw their arms out and and reach the ball over the end zone. Like you're supposed to get the ball over the end zone as opposed to just trying to wing your arm out. Right. I guess. But explain this. If that ball had been fumbled in in the same circumstances and the fumble is forced and it rolled out at the one. So it it, right before the goal line took a hard right and rolled out, out of bounds. Yeah. That goes back then Saints ball at the one. Right. Right. Yes. So, like, where's the logic in? But if it crosses the pylon by just a little bit and it goes out of bounds, same circumstance, it's Carolina ball. I, it, yes. it must have some sort of application involving like the kickoff and punts and stuff and touchbacks. Like the right. I mean, is is there some sort of connection there, or did someone just decide? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why. Like, what do you what do you think, Bob? And it's, well, yes. I think that <laughs> yes, uh, I think that's exactly. I think it. it's a touchback, and I think they were drunk. That'll keep those kids from reaching out for the goal line. I think it's the competition committee years ago completely drunk and saying, this seems like a real good, fun rule. But what's weird is the NFL is so reactive to things that happen in games of, oh, my gosh, we need to redefine what a catch is because this thing happened. Yeah. And so I don't know if it's going to take a fumble through the back of the end zone in a Super Bowl or an AFC championship game. And only then will we address this. This is a league that changed the catch rule between the NFC championship and the Super Bowl. And told nobody. And told no one. And then it affected the game. I mean, the Patriots, if you're a Patriots fan, I feel no sadness for you because your team is a bunch of cheaters. But still, they should have won that Super Bowl. I mean, according to the rules, two of their touchdowns are not catches. But do you not agree that the rule was wrong during the entire course of the season and was actually fixed for the Super Bowl? Yes, it was fixed for the Super Bowl. So I think they got it right. And they got it right. And I felt like there have been no catch controversies all year. But still, if the league secretly changes a rule and then it affects the game, you got jobbed. Your team got screwed. Uh, But as, as it applies to this, though, one more point is that every league has some idiotic bizarre rule that I love. And I'll give you an example. Baseball, if you throw your glove at it and it hits the ball, it's like three bases. It's a triple. That's, That's exactly so right. funny. Wait, what is it? Correct. It's three bases. If the ball is going over your head, yep. you take your glove and you're like, I got it. And it hits your glove. It's three bases. You get automatic triple. So even if you're you're saying if a fielder <laughs> throws the ball to try and catch it, the batter's the batter gets a triple. He gets a triple. Yes. Or I would say this: if it was a really high fly ball and you had already established first base, 
you get the next three bases, I think. Well, I, I didn't know that. I would have to hear from an umpire. I just But knew. I remember this because I umpired for a summer, and that was the one where I laughed hysterically in the meeting. I'm like, wait a minute. Do people actually do this? Has anyone ever enforced this rule where someone winged their glove up at the ball, it hit it, and we said three bases? So even if you catch it with your glove, which is amazing, by the way. Yeah. It's not an out. It's a triple for the batter. Yes. That's the rule. But I also believe the stipulation there is you can run at your own peril, which is very much like the, um, the, the pop-up. Well. So let, let's say you wing it, and it hits it, but it bounces in the stupidest direction possible, and you just run for a home run. Like, that's a home run. Like Unless, if, if you can you run, get thrown out at home, though, right? But I think you can get thrown out at home. Do you get the so triple, then? You, no, not if you get thrown out. No, but you get credit. <laughs> you don't get credit for a triple? Just thrown out at home plate? Well, I think in the box score you get a triple, but you don't get to go back to third if you get. It's not like <laughs> I'm free. I can do whatever I want. It's a free play. Well, that's the. It's not a free play. Well, because if you run from third to home after the moron has thrown his glove up in the air and hit the ball, then they can throw you out at home and then you're just out. So here's okay. So I <laughs> I didn't scroll far enough down on this Ringer article because there's a there's a solution here that I'm that I'm seeing that actually sounds amazing and I hope I hope the NFL had, has read this article. So. Fumble through the back of the end zone. This is solution number five. The fumbling team would be given one untimed down from the spot at which the ball was lost, so it was fumbled. So if you fumble at the three-yard line and it goes out of the back of the end zone, okay, you get an untimed down from the three-yard line now. And if you, whatever happens, if let's, let's, say, let's say it's it's and goal to go, you have to score a touchdown. And if you don't, the other team gets the ball on the next play at that spot going forward. Hmm. So it's almost like it just reverts to a two-point conversion scenario where, well, you either get it or you don't, and then the other team would take control. What would be the funniest possible thing that they could do with that? Like, oh, it went out of the back. Let's like a jump ball. Like, all right, two linemen jump ball. Isn't isn't the jump ball in basketball really stupid? It is. I mean, just like, oh, okay. So George Mirasan and Muggsy Bogues, you grab the ball at the same time, like tip ball. I love because that. That's not fair. Fun. Because of that, it's it's fun to watch. Though. Yes, it's not so fun to care. watch Muggsy Bogues. Oh yeah, it is. It's Mirasan. comical. It's like, a great picture. Leg. It's a great picture. <laughs> it's a great photo. I feel like <laughs> Earl Boykins did have to do like a jump ball with like Shaq one day, like back in like the early 2000s or something like that. Is that not fun? And I enjoy it because of that. But it also like if you're just talking about like what makes sense clearly there's an advantage for one team most of the time there when it's like a power forward and a guard it's like it's automatically giving the other team the ball see that was the genius of vince uh, vince mcmahon's first run with the xfl is he said some of these things are stupid like why do we do kickoffs let's put the ball in the middle and have two guys run full speed get, at each other and which get has knocked out cold. which has no concussion implications whatsoever <laughs> Hey, they're both dead. Too bad. <laughs> but but uh, I think the most logical solution here, just like with catches, is exactly what Danny was saying. Like, wherever you fumbled it, that's where the ball goes back to. And then it's just whatever down it is the next down. Because it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But I still enjoy it very much every time I see it. Yeah. Uh, we should, man, we should just do like Especially a whole hour games. on weird rules in sports and either fix them or add to them. Or uh, Mr. Fix-It. Uh, I can fix those problems. Likes to fix They're actually not that hard to fix. Um, We're going to get to uh, Courtney Cronin here in just a moment. Purple Live. Yep. You can turn your mic off there. I'm 0 for 2 in this segment. I I told you he'd forget. You didn't believe me. Uh, But Judd Zolgat, we've got Josh on the phone here first. We're doing it. It's time to talk to my friend, Mr. Money Talk, Josh Arnold, where you always get that straight talk, not sugar-coated advice. Hello, Josh. I hope you have some good news for us on this Tuesday. I'll give you a little good news. The market was up. 
It was up finally. Uh, it was a, a little wild, wild day as normal. And as the market started up over 300 points, but uh, as the day progressed, there was a little concern coming out of Washington about what the Fed was going to do, not to mention concern about a government shutdown possibility uh, later later this week, all over a $5 billion uh, wall. And the $5 billion wall is teeny in comparison to the to the overall budget. I think Washington will figure figure something out. In the meantime, our favorite stocks did stage stage a nice rebound, whether it's both Apple and Amazon. Um, Netflix also did well. Um, what do I call it? E-commerce sales continue to do very well. About two weeks ago, I saw saw a report that stated that e-commerce sales at that point were about $80 billion. Amazon represented 80% of that and, st- and still had, at that point, two weeks to go till Christmas. And I think e-commerce sales continue to accelerate. I saw another report today that also was very positive on e-commerce sales. And even talking to some people I know that work at the post office, uh, Amazon is still getting the bulk of deliveries. Uh, after the market today, there were uh, some earnings reports, uh, one that was negative with uh, Micron, uh, and uh, one that was kind of mixed coming from FedEx, which was very, whose earnings were very strong in the U.S., not as strong internationally. FedEx is going to do some cost-cutting, which did affect their stock in, in after hours. Jabal, um, uh, J-Ball Circuits did have an excellent report, and that could bode well, but the big focus tomorrow is going to be on the Fed and whether they uh, raise interest rates and what their guidance is going into next year. Pay attention to that, and we'll talk about that tomorrow. Sounds good, Josh. Talk to you then. Thanks. Investment advisor services offered by Josh Arnold Investment Consultant, LLC, a registered advisor in the state of Minnesota. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All investments involve risk. Mackie and Judd now continue. What now? What now? Let me tell you what now. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. All right, let's check traffic here in the TCL Broadcast Studios. Highway 100 southbound. Got a crash in Golden Valley. Don't worry, Judd. It's not St. Louis Parks. Just in Golden Valley. I'm going Valley. to Wild Game. I don't care anymore. <laughs> Uh, it's between Glenwood and 394, so look out for that crash there. Maybe calling, causing some slowdowns in that area. Also, southbound 280 uh, between University and 94. Uh, look out for a crash there. That's uh, right outside our front yard, basically. Hope it doesn't block me going to the wild game. <laughs> Move out of my way. Be careful out there, people. They don't have Xavier Howard, who has seven of them. Oh, intercepted. Picked off by Fitzpatrick. Now a race, and Fitzpatrick will win it for the touchdown. A pick six. Fitzpatrick stepping in for Xavier Howard. Football! Football! Got to eat. Everyone's got to eat. Got to eat. Exactly right. You have to eat. Felt like I had to eat that traffic that I was sitting in before I got here. We both got to eat. Traffic. Is that Derrick Henry? Was that the Derrick Henry yes, drop? Yes, okay. It was, yep. Thank you for doing that, Manny. I missed that last we week. Eat. Last, yeah, last week, right? <laughs> Football hour continues. Collar, Cronin, Manny Hill, jo- Jonathan Harrison behind the scenes. I have a. All right, I found this last night. I have a fantastic football story to share with you guys. I'm excited for this. This is really, really good stuff. Gather we, around the weirdly shaped table. Yes. 
the kidney table. It's the reading table. It's like I'm in fifth grade again. So evidently, a year ago in Denver, when, when there was unhappiness, unrest between the Broncos and their choice to be head coach, Vance Joseph, John Elway, who runs the football operation, decided to, let's say, hearken back in Broncos history to a guy he knows very well, Mike Shanahan, and explored the potential and even came, according to reports, even came to agreement with Mike Shanahan on a deal to return as the Broncos coach, only only to be told and Elway's GM by the team president that it was not going to happen. But, and this could have impacted Vikings history greatly, but if Mike Shanahan had taken that job, the agreement that sounds like it might have been in place was for a certain quarterback, free agent from the Washington Redskins, to take a discounted price tag to go play for the Denver Broncos. Yes, Kirk Cousins. How much dis? Like how big of a discount are we talking? Not Case Keenum, two year, thirty six. But like, what are we talking here? I do not know exactly, but what I'm saying is, Kirk Cousins, according to the reporting done on the story, Kirk Cousins loves Mike Shanahan and was willing sure. to take a definite discount. Don't kill my mojo here. What I'm trying to tell you is Kirk Cousins almost went to Denver and never came here. We are going to talk about the summer of 2018 quarterback decisions forever with the New York Jets picking up Teddy Bridgewater and then trading him to the New Orleans Saints after he looks awesome and what that could mean. Drew Brees looks like he only has this year left. Doesn't he look like a quarterback that if he plays one more year after this, it could go to like bad Peyton Manning look? Does, well, does it's beginning to look like that now, but is he just sort of slumping, or is this? Or Are you is guys this a really perma- basing this off last night? Like, no, it's like the last looked four the or last five couple games. games against Dallas. He looked horrible. I think Brady's more done than Breeze. I, I agree with that. I think that Brady looked like he was done even last year at points. But you want to get Teddy the, the starting job? I basically that's where he's going because he loves Teddy. He and Zimmer love Teddy. If, I know. If, if Breeze, lost, if it's Breeze wins, cause. he definitely walks away on top. One hundred percent. I agree. He pulls with that. an Elway or a Manning, and I wouldn't be surprised if he does either way even if even if he doesn't win i mean he's got the record for the yards and an incredibly accomplished career playoff appearances in his final two years and if he feels like he isn't playing as well when they get to the playoffs he'll probably play better because he'll get that rest and then he'll be able to play at home but still he looks like a guy who's starting to fade a little bit here at the end of the season he might find it for the playoffs but that could be it and them making that trade for teddy They could find their franchise quarterback. Jacksonville sticking with Blake Bortles. Denver going with Case Keenum, even though that was never going to turn around their franchise. How everyone landed, and plus the draft to go along with that, everyone ignoring Lamar Jackson, who is now 4-1 and as a starter for the Baltimore Ravens. The Giants taking Saquon Barkley instead of a quarterback. That's right. I mean, Josh Rosen, wow, his career is being stunted by the horrible uh, Arizona Cardinals. Here's my question, though. Long term, who made if you if you had to rank the decisions made in the summer of 2018 about your team's quarterbacks, who made the worst decisions long term for the health of their franchise? Well, Giants the, number the one. Giant, Giants, the Giants. Yeah. I start with as well. Oh, then, Jacksonville too. Yeah, that's like a tie. It's like one on one. Okay. I probably put Jacksonville ahead of that just because. But you know where I'm going with this. Yes, but well, I, I just think that they're, that was the dumbest thing. They could have waited. Like what, the, what? Why did they jump the gun so much? They did it in February before free agency. That drives me nuts. You're right. That makes about me that. angry. Signing Bortles, you mean? Yeah. Yes, because it was like February 22nd. Like you had okay. two weeks to decide. I, Giants and Jags are, are one, number one and one, one and one, 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 one,
also ignoring a quarterback in the draft and picking Bradley Chubb, who's good, but right. I mean, there's all these quarterbacks just sitting there and they let them go in favor of making Case Keenum their franchise quarterback. And then what? I mean, Paxton Lynch is gone. Chad Kelly is gone. They have no like future quarterback to turn it over to. And this year's quarterback draft is much weaker than last year's was. So it's going to be tough for them to even get their guy this year. Who's going to be long-term franchise. And from, from that standpoint, I never believed the Broncos could win. I don't know if you guys did, but I never thought they could. Not in that division either. It would have been much better for the coach. I agree for the Jags. It would have been much better because it's just a competent quarterback and a great defense. Right. But the Jaguars, the starting point with their problem is organizationally they're incompetent. Yeah. So, like, yeah. they were never going to do the right thing. The Giants surprised me because you you go get an OC who's really good, and wouldn't you think that you would turn to Shermer in that case and be like, Pat, who do you want? Yeah, you would think so. And, and then, I don't think Pat would say a running back. If then Denver had taken Cousins, that would have meant Keenum. Keenum stays here. And Bridgewater, though? See, that's the argument. I know that you've been hot on that point for a while. Do you think it would actually happen? Do you think Teddy would have stayed here as a backup? I do remember that Peter King wrote right after the season that his guess was those two were both going to be back. Mm -hmm. And that must have come from somewhere because he's always talking to everyone all the time and gets a lot of those right. And it would have been realistic because you could just give Teddy like five million guaranteed. Remember, the Jets gave him almost nothing guaranteed. It would have cost 500 to cut him. So you could have given him a couple million guaranteed and it would have beat out the other offers. And then Case and you could have said, "Okay, you two battle out for it in training camp. And if Teddy's good to go, then he's the quarterback. And now you would have had to try to convince Case to come back with Teddy. That would have been hard because he might have had other offers. Well, and so you that's probably, where it gets tricky. And you probably would have used a franchise tag on him. Like the whole like hindsight game. I've, oh, that's true. You know, you, yeah. I've, I've run through this in my head as to what the scenarios could be because if you keep those two, and as we've talked about, potentially even if you draft a quarterback to for down the line, you're not you're not looking at Trevor Simeon being here. You don't need him. Right. Um, who knows what Kyle Sloter, if he'd even be in the mix, if you just probably would have gotten rid of him at some point. But you'd have a good offensive line because you would have had money in free agency that you spent $84 million on your quarterback. Um, you would have had that money to address the offensive line, and your draft decisions probably would have looked vastly different those first one, two, and fourth, you know, fourth round. Do you guys think that if they'd gone to Case and Teddy and said, okay, Teddy – you're getting there, but you're not there yet. And so we're going to sign you both or attempt to to one-year contracts again. Come yeah. back, do it again. If Case gets hurt, Teddy plays. That was the one thing that I always curious about because Teddy's circumstance was and is uncertain to a large degree because he didn't suffer a broken leg. His mm-hmm. leg basically blew up. So if they had gone to them and said, let's play this out again the exact same way, but we are not making long-term investments here, and Cousins had gone to Denver, mm-hmm. would Keenum have said, okay, because I think Teddy might have. Now, in, in hindsight, with where Teddy went and the Jets thing, I think there's a very good chance that he he would have said, Zim, I love you, you love me, it's going to work out, and he comes back here. No, I truly but, believe that. But to her no, point. I agree, I agree. I'm just, it's the only guy at, Zim I'm just loves. Yeah, it is, they, he really is. But they could have made Case Keenum stay with the franchise tag. Yeah, they, they could have. just okay. used it and they, then and then convinced Teddy to come back because they could have said, look, Tedward, you're not going to be a starter anywhere, okay? They're going to play Sam Darnold or they're going to trade you, so why don't you just come back here 
and prove to us that that knee is okay. We'll battle for it in camp, and if you win the job, you win the job, and then you're a franchise quarterback. But if his knee falls apart in Week 7, you still have Case Keenum. And one thing we learned about Case Keenum is you can put that guy through anything. You can say anything to him in the media. Clearly. You can He's got you the can thickest skin him. of all time. You, you can play Sam Bradford on half of a leg in Chicago and have him embarrass himself because he can't walk and then just be like, uh, okay, we would rather that than you, Case, but like, all right, get back out there. But, but th- that's the thing I wonder about with that dynamic. So first off, the reason we, so we found out from Mike Zimmer at the owners' meetings, Teddy's knee was worse at the end of the season last year than they had initially thought it would be. So would they have even, that certainly factored into the whole thing. They watched when they watched tape of all the quarterbacks and they, you know, when John Filippo first got here, all six of them, Stefanski, Filippo, um, Zimmer, and then, you know, three front office guys, Brzezinski, Peyton, and Spielman, they all decided on this unanimously. So they saw something with Teddy and they said, okay, we can't even go there. So I don't even think it was a possibility of like that argument. But, but- then there was another report that came out later that we allegedly misconstrued oh, I don't those even, comments. I don't even want to get into that. That's yeah, all but, nonsense. But, but, that, but that, 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 that tells you that Teddy Bridgewater's knee wasn't as bad as they thought. Agreed. To, slightly agreed. I, because, I mean, look what he was doing in training camp. He was lighting it up. That's And, and it was actually OTAs where that came out. Um, that was like eight, um, For Teddy, you mean? For Teddy. That's May. Okay. But my thought is with the dynamic of Case. So he, he worked his entire career. He's a journeyman for four years before he gets to Minnesota and lights it up. Right. Could he have gone back into that role of, you know, I just led this team to a 13-3, and three, and now I'm going to get disrespected and yeah. go back? I, I don't know if he could. I honestly Ex- don't know once you have a taste of that if you really can go back. I'll Ex- give you an example, though. Ryan Fitzpatrick. I mean, that guy's done it for how many Ex- franchises? Did, did, did he lead them to an NFC championship? No, but, I mean, end? he got the big contract in Buffalo after yeah. – Getting them off to Except, something like a five Yeah, but one I think the success part of that is you can't overlook that. The fact that he did something. He's like, I actually did something. I lived up to my word. He wouldn't Kirk, have had a choice. If Kirk if Kirk goes to Denver, though, the dynamic shifts completely. And now the, the question is, who comes after Case? Mm-hmm. Jacksonville was too stupid to. Well, they had already they had already signed. Right, exactly. Portals. But but my point is, so if Cousins goes Washington to Denver, where does Case jump to? Arizona. Maybe. Maybe not. The point The point being is he's the type of guy who might might have come back and said, fine. I mean, his mentality, consider all of the things that the head coach said about this guy last year. So why are you going to play for and him he again? Put up with I don't it, but understand he put, it. But he put up with it. I yeah, mean, you put up with it because you're doing really well. You're, you're having a hot season. I don't think you can dismiss it, though. I don't think you can dismiss it because the options, unless the Cardinals that's came a, that's a masochist. That's a masochist way of thinking. Uh, but and but if you he's franchise not. tag him, he doesn't have a if choice. He, if you he franchise tag him, back. he doesn't have a choice. But if you let the window close and you somehow thought, okay, we're not going to let him walk in, you know, we're going to work something out now because they didn't want to pay that. If they actually wanted to work out a long-term deal, I mean, they could have done it with the franchise tag. They could have done it without the franchise tag. I don't know if that would have been the best situation for him here. I think it's overstated anyway, like the quarterback controversy stuff. I mean, the Joe Montana and Steve Young had a whole year where they had a quarterback controversy. They like each other, too. And they won the Super Bowl. So, I don't know. I think both of those guys, they got along really well, Case Keenum and Teddy Bridgewater, that it it would have been a fun dynamic to write about. But in hindsight, if they don't end up getting 
to the, at least an NFC Championship while Kirk Cousins is here, we will circle back to that and say, what if they had done that instead? Especially if Teddy Bridgewater's knee ends up being okay and he's the franchise quarterback for the Saints for 10 years or something. Yeah, that's that's the thing I think will really grind the gears of this franchise. More than anything else is the what if and the unknown of Teddy Bridgewater. And Zimmer especially. And, and, and Mike Zimmer. I mean, that's going to haunt him for the rest of his career because this was supposed to be his guy. That career? He, life. Life. I mean, well, your career is your life if you're he's Mike gonna Zimmer. Go, he's going to go to his grave saying, my plan was always for that guy he's, to be my quarterback. And there's it, no doubt about it. He said it all along. Well, so, I mean. He hates, he for, for the most part, hates quarterbacks. You can tell. He despises them. He hates them. offense. Yes. If you really want to go boil I mean, it he, down. I mean. This is a man who, who I didn't understand the depth of his love for Teddy until I saw his absolutely, he despised Keenum. He despises Kirk. I don't care what he says. He despises him. His love for Teddy is this: the grand plan of Mike's life was to have this guy be his quarterback, take him to a Super Bowl, and be completely brilliant about it. I think people are starting to understand it more now that last year we had a lot of debates about Case and Teddy and all that, and I kept coming back to the head coach really loves Teddy Bridgewater. And a lot of people would would tweet me or email and be like, why does Zimmer love him so much? Why? And I think you see it now that <laughs> Kirk Cousins has three pick sixes already this year. He has given the other team 35 free points this year. Teddy Bridgewater in his, what, 18 career starts, whatever it was, maybe more than that, Yeah, uh, 28 career starts, had zero. And they produced points on their drives. They were in the top 10 in scoring production. They held on to the ball. They killed clock. They didn't make dumb mistakes. How many like, dumb plays did, did he make? Teddy, not, Teddy, not many not because many. He, threw in, he threw intermediate routes and he took yes. sacks. And like, he made plays on third down. True. And threw the ball away if nothing was there. Like all these things that Zimmer exactly wants, that's, that's what Teddy Bridgewater was. And that's why they won a lot, yeah. really. Well, Case Keenum. Football! 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 Yeah. Football. Yeah. I just want to keep talking about Cakes. I got, I got we gotta to take a break. <laughs> She's got to eat. We both got to eat. Football hour continues after this. <laughs> Mackie and Judd are back. We're about to make a whole lot of people around here real happy. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios on 1500 ESPN. Dan, it's a season high. 33 rushes today from Minnesota. Cousins on third and long. Steps up, Cousins, deep ball, separation, touchdown, Aldrich Robinson, Cousins is on the money. All right, Football Hour continues, uh, Zolgad, Matthew Collar, Courtney Cronin. Is this as crazy of late season surges and collapses as we've seen? Or or is this recency bias from me and I, I'm just old and forget the last couple <laughs> years? Because this feels to me, the NFC playoff picture is... It's great. It's fun, yeah. but it's completely chaotic right now. Well, it's bonkers because the teams that it's all of a sudden everyone started losing at the same time. The Panthers started to tank. A serious injury to Alex Smith caused the Redskins to fall off the wagon. And, um, you know, Philadelphia all of a sudden getting hot. Do we know if it's sustainable? I don't know. I mean, it's 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 a little freaky. It's Nick, that, Foles, Nick Foles magic. Well, it's a little it's a little scary that that happened, where he takes over and lights it up and and, and wins a really critical road game in the same place he did it last year. Like, I don't know if you believe in like fate or the universe is colliding, but they're trying to football gods are trying to tell us something right now. And everything just sort of breaking his way, and that like including the the punch yes. fumbles is like yes. okay. Foles controls the universe, I guess. I mean, this is too weird. Uh, as far as your question, Judd, I think this is 
fairly common from year to year. Uh, as someone who enjoys going back and watching NFL films yearbooks from 1991 or whatever, there's a lot of, you know, they almost got in the playoffs last year, but they lost six in a row. You know, like that happens all the time uh, in the league. But this year in particular, it is an interesting dynamic that the two best teams are not really playing very well lately. And I showed you guys during the break a chart of Drew Brees' yards per attempt throughout the season and how it was elite until about six weeks ago, and then it started to go in the tank. And so with him not playing as well, they've sort of squeaked their way by a couple of games, but with him not playing as well, with Jared Goff really playing poorly, the door is open for someone like Chicago or even Dallas, but then Dallas goes to Indy and gets shut out. So it's hard to figure out, even Seattle, losing to San Francisco after the big win against the Vikings. So week to week, it's hard to figure these teams out, and that sort of brings me to the Vikings and... This week feels like one of those, could this be their San Francisco game where you're coming off a high and then all of a sudden you don't show up or something like that. Like this season is very unpredictable. I have I have a hard time believing, and it, this is going to sound crazy because the Vikings have perfected collapses before. I have a hard time believing that this team is going to miss the playoffs. I really do. I feel like they're going to beat Detroit. Chicago game could be really intriguing or a complete bore. But I look at this Vikings team, and it's been a weird year, and it's been up and down, and the quarterback's play at times early on was great at times yeah. and, and been been inconsistent since. But I don't look at this team and say they missed the playoffs. In fact, if you had to ask me today, I think there's a better chance that they make the playoffs and win a first-round game that, than they collapse and oh, miss I, the postseason. Agree, don't you? Yeah, but I also, I mean <sighs> – that Buffalo game still haunts them. The fact that they have a half-game lead over everybody else right now is is a blessing. The tie's they, huge. Th- that is massive. Uh, we sh- knew it. They, we knew it. The I minute, hate the tie, but the it's huge. The minute it happened, we're like, this, this is, is going to come down to gonna, somehow decide a- some BS there at the end of <laughs> yeah. the at the end of the uh, regular season. But I don't see them not making the playoffs only because everybody else has done everything to they've tried hard to lose other teams. I really do believe that <laughs> because of the way that this whole thing is shook out well, this year. Yeah, Philly should have taken this away from them a while ago. They blew yeah. three games where they had double digit leads in the fourth quarter. And now they Carolina, have to, right? Uh, Carolina was one of them and there were at least one more. They had a graphic on the broadcast the other night of all the games that they had botched leads in. And really, they had a chance in that Vikings game, too. And they gave that away with a fumble to Linval Joseph for a touchdown. So, um, you know, as far as missing it, you look through the scenarios. It's pretty tough. It would be pretty tough. But if they lose this one, then all of a sudden it becomes a coin flip week 17. Are you in or not? And I don't think they're going to lose in Detroit. Detroit has nothing to play for. I mean, it would be in Matt Patricia's best interest to try to get a quality win here. Um, for a team that's but you know, players going to care? No, absolutely not. Nobody cares. I mean, everybody either your right receivers are gone because you traded them away, or everybody else is on IR. Like they're not a very good team. Their defense played better, but they still lost to Buffalo. So I mean, I don't see them losing in Detroit. Although I, I get, I have a lot of trepidation about Detroit. I don't know. They always split with them. They never play well at Ford Field. Like on occasion, and I just, I, I'm still kind of haunted by that block field goal that was almost returned last year. I mean that. Those are the type of plays that decide the games between most times the games between the Lions and the and the Vikings. But to that point exactly, this has had some 2016 feel to it. And in 2016, they went to Jacksonville. They won a game. We were all writing, you know, Vikings rally around Eilis Zimmer, you know, all that sort <laughs> right. of stuff, right? 
And then we assume that they're just going to slaughter Indianapolis because, well, okay, they just killed Jacksonville. Indianapolis is awful. Yeah. And the Colts come in and run them out of town. And even there was a Detroit game, too, where Detroit is mediocre and they play a sort of 50-50 game with them, a pick at the end of the game, they lose it. And this team has had that same sort of feel of they get a little bit of momentum going and then they take two steps back. I, don't, I just don't think they know how to handle it because they've had such little momentum this year because, I mean, really, you've, you you look at it, they've only had a two-game win streak. That is the longest win, or is it three games? It would have been um, three games, right? Arizona, or Philly, Arizona, and the Jets. Jets. Three games, that's it. Right, and two of those teams are a joke. And exactly, like, I, I just caution people coming out of this Miami game, to, and I think there are some smart fans out there who realize this proves nothing. This proves absolutely nothing. It does show you that you can capitalize on really crappy teams like they did against Arizona. What was the narrative going into that game? Got to run the ball. Got to run the ball. We saw them do it in week five, wide receiver screens, Um, you know, kind of – you know, those short dump-off passes to, to Stephon Diggs, that pseudo-rushing attack. Let's translate that to Arizona. What do they do against Arizona? Dalvin doesn't play, but Latavius Murray has the multiple touchdown game. They get their highest rushing total of the season at that point. They capitalize on a really crappy opponent. They did the exact same thing. This is not rocket science. Like, right. this is what they should have done against Miami, yet they're still not performing, in my opinion, like a playoff team because they have not shown that they are a playoff team. But I think they're going to get in Detroit very much the same thing that they got from the Dolphins, which is a huge give up, which is a huge Miami. I don't care what their record was. I don't care who they beat previously. Miami came in on Sunday. The only reason that the Dolphins and and they were PO'd to be in that game was because of the cur- of the Cousins pick six. Mm-hmm. I never saw a team that said to itself, "We'd like to win this game." I saw a team that said. Bleep it. Well, and when I looked and back, and I think Detroit does the same thing at the tape last night. I saw a team that was just bad. I, I mean, they were Their doing defense is so. I mean, those linebackers are awful. Kiko Alonso is terrible. <laughs> I don't know why people still think he's like. Oh, I have I, no I don't idea. understand it. But their linebackers, like, I mean. I know play action's hard, and I've never played linebacker before, but they bit on everything. Mm-hmm. They bit and on everything. There were things that you will not see from a good team. I mean, the, the Stephon Diggs touchdown, the cornerback, uh, think of it this way. It's a play action going to the left. The touchdown goes to the right. The cornerback to the right, who's supposed to keep track of Stephon Diggs, charges Lips. in. He try, but he starts to charge. You're like, why? What? You're not going to make the tackle. Like, why would you be charging in this way? And then Diggs runs right by him, wide open. There were so many of those things. They're playing the wide nine type of uh, edge rusher mm-hmm. thing. Jim Schwartz, yeah. And then Zimmer made a crack about it. He said we ran the same play ten times. The yeah. outside zone run, cut back up inside. They well, literally did it ten times, and the Dolphins never figured it out. So I would expect Detroit will play a little better than that. I, I do think that it's a harder challenge for sure, but I also don't think the Vikings are going to. Ha- I think they've learned their lesson, at least just from Kirk. I mean, do you guys? Do, but do you guys really think the Lions are going to go out there in in Week 16 and with that guy as head coach, really, really care? No, because no, football, like football, football is the one sport, man, where if you don't care, you're just going to get the game done with. But I don't. I just don't think Buffalo this, actually cared that day. Yeah, they really credit. did. Like uh, I just don't think that this team, the Vikings, that is, has the ability to completely annihilate a team from start to finish. There's always going to be that period mm-hmm. where they let them back in. Look yeah, at what they did yeah, against yeah. The, Jets. the Jets. The, the Jets, Jets is yeah. a perfect example of that. You couldn't convert like a third down on your first like 11 or 12 attempts. That's one player too, by the way. It, that's what I'm saying. Like the whole thing. We the argument now. I mean, we're. Were a seven days past when they fired their offensive coordinator. 
So Kirk's got a new offensive coordinator. The pressure's completely on him now. It is on him because he's no. I disagree. The pressure's on Stefanski because this is my new thing with Kirk. Okay, I know that. I know. Wait, let me finish. The puppet argument. The puppet I string yes. quarterback. But that pressure. Okay, he can be a puppet string quarterback, Judd, but he still has to perform. Pinocchio still has to freaking move his limbs. That that mm, Pinocchio was a puppet. But, Pinocchio is absolutely a puppet. <laughs> He's looking at me like, uh, what are you talking about? Pinocchio was a real boy. Pinocchio was a puppet. Don't get it twisted. He was a person. Pinocchio was a person. <laughs> he was he was a real boy because he, he lied didn't or something. Need any strings? He that lied was... and his nose got longer and Thank longer. Thank you, Manny. Longer. Thank you. I'm so glad was... I said something. All right, so... that was the whole song. Okay, it was like so I'm Ge- a real boy. All right, can we find the song? Can I? Find... Oh my god. So Let's Geppetto Geppetto is Kevin Stefanski and Judd's mind. Yeah. Geppetto was the guy who made him. So yeah, the woodmaker. Um, and then Pinocchio is. is essentially Kirk Cousins. But I feel still think that. All that pressure's on him because if he falters, even under the circumstances where Stefanski has everything maintained, basically making it easy for you, like Matt was saying, they were in 22 and 12 personnel for all but one touchdown. The Aldrich Robinson, I mean, they, they they didn't know if it was a run or a pass. All the comments, I mean, they're making this very simple. They're like getting rid of all the minutia and anything that was co- confusing for him. I still think that he's going to be the one at the end of the day. The pressure has to go on you because it, where's it going to go? It can't. It's got to get displaced somewhere. So let me let me work with this uh, Pinocchio thing. <laughs> when Kirk throws, that was good by the way. A, Thank you. When he throws a pick six, we got it. His, no, his nose, his oh nose God. grows. Is that what? Is that, is that like like the little boy can't stop well, flying, and that's his problem. And Kirk's can't stop turning the ball over. And to your bigger point with the pressure on Cousins, that's where that's where you still need to be really worried about going to Detroit is. If you give them a pick six, will they get inspired? You know, will it be late in the third quarter? That's the thing you're always going to be afraid of is his nose growing. So the question is, during this quote, did Kirk's nose grow? I think you guys saw it. You know, I'm not going to tell you anything you don't know. It's a screen. It's a receiver screen. It's quick hitting. I'm trying to negotiate the defensive end, thinking that the guy who picked it is going to be blocked. And he wasn't blocked. <laughs> he jumped it. You know, no. he, guessed, he guessed right. And um, it's a bang-bang play. And, and – um, you know, we've thrown a lot of those this season and had a lot of success on them. And oh no, you haven't. No, you have like not. That that's the thing. That's the part where the nose you know, is growing. To get to get influenced and picked in such a way that. <sighs> so does his nose grow when he blames a teammate him, but in this for his mistake? What the Rudolph? The part yeah, in there about Rudolph? It's clearly about Rudolph. Well, I mean, they. But the thing is, they haven't. They have thrown them. They have not been that successful on wide receiver screens and on running back screens. I mean. Very, very small. He, that comment's making it sound like, oh, this is just an anomaly. Well, no, it's not. So I was watching this back, and I was doing it like slow motion, frame by frame, to try and figure out like what exactly happened there. And the mistake, I think, is that Fitzpatrick is up on the line of scrimmage. Like, he isn't right up on Diggs, but he's close. And when they ran it for the same play for 12 yards early in the game, yep. no one is over Diggs. Which, by the way, you should be arrested if your defense plays a single play where no one lines up over Stephon Diggs. But that's a different point. But that I understand that Kirk is right that Kyle Rudolph is supposed to block him on that play. Yep. But at the same time, you're asking a six foot six tight end to get out and block someone who's really small and shifty. I think that you should look at that and say, I don't know if I really like that matchup because he's right on the line of scrimmage and, there. And where does the blame go? That, that Fitzpatrick said post game, and he made this very clear, Kirk's eyes never moved. That's what yeah. he, it he never moved me. He said, yep. I, I looked at him, yep. he glared in at Diggs, yep. and it never changed. Well, that's yep. because that's what always happens on the screenplays. I mean, that's why they're either wildly inaccurate, throwing behind Dalvin yeah, Cook, and even on happen. bubble screens and, like, you know, just short passes. 
because he panics to a degree when he gets in the pocket. And in those situations, because he knows if he's got a quick out, that means the pressure is going to come right away because they're going to sense it. I mean, we've talked about this at length. The Danny Trevathan one uh, for the Chicago game, the screen, Dalvin Cook, he blew it up right away because yep. he, he, he made it obvious. I, I think in any debate about whose fault it is, when the defender says, I watched the quarterback stare him this. down and then took the ball and ran it for a touchdown, then it's on you. And also, it's just another example of for a couple weeks, Cousins was like, I can't throw that ball or whatever for a couple weeks, but he went back to being who he is with the, I've got to make sure I, I'm not going to tell you anything you don't know, but here's the whole thing. How it wasn't my fault. Was it on his podcast? I didn't listen. Live from the TCL broadcast studios. Please keep working during the following announcement. Mackie and Judd are back on 1500 ESPN. I think you guys saw it. You know, I'm not going to tell you anything you don't know. It's a screen. It's a receiver screen. It's quick hitting. I'm trying to negotiate the defensive end, <laughs> thinking that the guy that's going to be blocked, and he wasn't blocked. He jumped it. Oh you man! Know, he, guessed, he guessed right, and um, it's a bang bang play. And and um, you know we've thrown a lot of those this season, and had a lot of success on them. And every single one of them is tight like that, and can be scary. And you're expecting you know that player to get to get influenced and picked in such a way that that the receiver can catch it and go right around him. But in this case, he jumped it, and uh, and then uh, you saw the rest. Manny Hill, everybody. Wow. They get like that a, was very a slow good. clap for that. That was excellent. Uh, you know that what? was good stuff, man. You know what I, I have a problem with, too, is it doesn't really matter, but I always want to hold like a public debate with Kirk Cousins about whether it was his fault. I, I want to get like podiums and I want to have like someone who's asking the questions. <laughs> like a presidential like, debate. Yeah, right. And I want to stand up there and be like, here, here, Kirk. Why, if Kyle Rudolph was trying to block this first round pick stupendously athletic corner who easily ducked around him were you throwing the ball in that direction if that's your matchup mm-hmm. if someone's right over the top of Stefan Diggs and your matchup is this guy who can't really block all that well also why did you stare him down the entire time also if there's any risk throw it at the guy's feet because you're winning and you're on the other side of the ball right so if you start to wind up and you see him jumping it throw it into the ground but no, no, no. We get this like six minute answer about how it's Kyle Rudolph's fault. Also, hey, Kirk, even if it is his fault, why are you throwing Kyle Rudolph under the bus? What is this like how to not make friends and influence people? I that, mean, that's what I find odd. I find it really odd that you would bring that up. Like, I well, guess I, mean, I you certain... asked him about it. It's technically your fault. You're the one who asked him that question. I think if a quarterback throws a pick six any every time, he's got to be asked what happened. I agree. No, I agree. I'm not blaming you. I would dissect every pick. I'd be like, what happened there? Yeah. And, I, and you'll always get the, you ordinarily get the, i got to go back and watch the film. Easily correctable. Well, he gave us a Hugh Jackson in that press conference, too. It was about, like, Kevin Stefanski. or No, it was... um. Well, he wouldn't answer that whether how he thought about Stefanski and just how the moment was for him. He's like, I don't know. You got to ask him. Like, okay, I hate those types of answers. But then there was one at the end. <laughs> Poor Chad about... Grass trying to do a Stefanski day in the life story. I don't know. You got to ask him. <laughs> they uh, the question I asked him at the end just about you know is this I followed up on that um, where he gave that great answer about the offense. Like, no, like it wasn't. Forty one points doesn't say complete. That's not a complete story of the offense. He's how bad they were in the second and third quarter. And then he gave the whole Hugh Jackson, I got to go watch the tape about like, is this the most complete game you've played this year? I mean, Kirk, you played, you won six games. It's not that hard to pick if this is one one of at that point. That's a really good point, though. It's yeah. odd. He answers questions that he shouldn't answer, and then he doesn't answer questions he should. 
it has become a it, weekly, that is odd. A You're weekly right. carnival of like, what's he going to say post game? Because on the fumble in Los Angeles, it was you tell me, and then there was some other mistake. Well, I think that that's was, just you tell being me. angry. Yeah, but but then it's I'm not going to tell you anything. But wait, I am. But wait, let me tell you on my <laughs> podcast All right. coming out Monday at 4 p.m. Purple, it's a different type of fumble than the other one. Yeah, that exactly. I had. Yeah. Purple live with Collar and Cronin. Up next, we're done.